Chronicles of Leadership, Chapter 7, A Slow Recovery John Keane is recuperating from his illness. He's reflecting on the events that took him from meniscus laboratories to his current position at the University of Urmston. He's increasingly worried that after his illness, his performance is dropping off and risks the renewal of his contract. I am back home, regaining my strength before returning to work at the university. Home is a large 1930s house in Urmston, in a row of near-identical mock Tudor gabled properties, most of which have been converted to provide shared accommodation. Our road is thankfully free of the infamous student party houses, which regularly hit the headlines after an all-nighter. Susie Yup did a piece for the Mercury about them. She's really talking about the student quarter and adjoining high-rise blocks where outbursts of partying regularly expose hundreds of the party-goers to music for going deaf to. This is not to mention an even larger number of disgruntled neighbours who despair of police action and are not averse to a little direct action themselves, adding a little spice to the scene. I share a more congenial Edwardian house with three graduate students of a pleasingly non-partying and obtrusive kind. They match my own temperament and have been solicitous towards me since my illness, which they find difficult to deal with. They check to see if I'm okay from time to time, but otherwise leave me to my thoughts. I've been reflecting back on the major event which influenced my choice of profession. When I was working at Meniscus Laboratories, I took an evening class in business. I found myself particularly attracted to two topics. One was economics, which is based on the principles of science. The other was human behaviour, which I have to say isn't, and turns out to be a challenge for someone brought up on a diet of strictly scientific fare. Part of the sponsorship deal with meniscus was that those taking night school were expected to give presentations at their own training centre for sharing what they had learned. That was when I also discovered the enjoyment I derived out of teaching. I took further courses on presentation skills and adult education. I watched carefully how guest lecturers from the university could bring their subjects to life, drawing on their own personal experiences. I could see how I could do that as well. I started by bringing animals into the classroom to discuss their behaviours. This was always very attractive to the students. Then I began taking the students to the nearby zoo, which was even more successful as far as my own ratings were concerned. At first, this was on a part-time basis, but eventually I decided to leave meniscus. I was working on a daily basis with Julian Callender, one of the most malicious and insufferable persons I've ever met. I told Susie up about the decision as we drove back together in my car after a chess match, playing for our club, the Postmoderns. I was dropping her off at the cottage she co-leases with another journalist at the Mercury. Rain was lashing down. Susie Yup peered forwards into the darkness and took advantage of the silence. In the end, I broke the silence. I've decided, I said. I can't spend the rest of my life surrounded by people who are so much better than I am as a scientist. That's not true, she said. And even if it was, it would be no reason for you giving up. What about us? What do you think? What about us? If I leave meniscus, I would still play for the postmoderns. We could still keep in touch through our chess club. 
That's what friends do, isn't it? Friends, yes, that's what they do, she said. Well, that's okay then, I replied, showing we've been having a perfectly rational discussion and reaching a perfectly rational conclusion. She peered even more closely at the murky road ahead. A rabbit, I think it was, or maybe a hare, darted out and disappeared beneath the hedgerow to our right. All those memories came back to me now. It was several years before my illness. Now my return to work at Yermston is far from an enjoyable next step in my recuperation. It's become a constant battle to conceal just how far away I am from full recovery. I've become nearly silent at group discussions for fear of being unable to keep up with criticisms of my ideas. I'm even cautious about taking my jacket off in public. I still struggle with how to put it back on again. My physical movements have not yet fully routinized. I have to think how each arm goes into which sleeve. My next contract review time is now only a few weeks ago, and my lack of academic progress will clearly come to light. There is likely to be sounds of compassion from some, but not from the malevolent Professor Snee, who would dearly like to see my contract discontinued. For all my pessimism and self-doubts, I'm left with the hope that the secret I am working on will be the path to establishing my academic reputation. If I'm right, Keane set in place a brilliant scheme that would need to be activated maybe decades after his death. His problem, his conundrum, was how to keep it secret and then how to activate it when needed. Tomorrow night I am to attend a social event at the university. It will be no doubt an opportunity for Snee or one of his henchmen to quiz me about what publications I've been working on. I will be doubly on guard about my lack of progress and give no indication about my longer-term plans for writing about Keynes and his concealed secret.